the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to The George Show. We're halfway through the Monday show. Uh, there's no more full week of January left because I think Thursday we turn into February already. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. This first, first month is just blown by. Uh, one of the lucky things I get to do from time to time, not just on the radio, uh, but when I do Colorado Inside and Out, is get to spend some time chit-chatting with uh, Mrs. Denver. I don't know if that's the right term, not in a beauty pageant kind of a way, but in that much more I-know-this-city-like-nobody's-business kind of way. Her name is Patty Calhoun, and she joins us right now. Patty, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Good morning, George. Is that the title? Is it Miss Denver, Mrs. Denver? Is there anything like that that... Something <laughs> or missed M I S S E D. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but. Uh, listen, um, we did a little bit of TV last week, and I'll candidly, I have not yet had the opportunity to watch to see how much I got edited out because it feels like most of my answers they look at it later on and go, That's nonsense and factually inaccurate. We can't put that on. So I hope it went well. I'll be honest, I haven't seen it yet either because I went to Liz Cheney on Friday night. What, did, was she doing a stand-up, or what was she doing? No, she is now on a speaker circuit. She just come up from Phoenix, I think, and she packed the Belco Theater, which really holds like 5,000. Yeah. And was it what you might expect from her in terms of, hey, listen, I'm a Republican and I'm a conservative. The party has left me, and here's the dangers that Donald Trump presents, that kind of a thing, or was it something else? Like, if you told it, me if it was poetry, like, I'd be like, Wow. She was very straightforward. It was pretty much what you'd expect. I think, of course, the big shock when you think about Liz Cheney is that this was a room full of people applauding her who five years ago probably not would not have even gone to a Liz Cheney speech, much less applauded her. But uh, she was certainly talking about if she will do anything to defeat Trump. She didn't necessarily say she would vote for Biden. She didn't say she would run, but she was... It was a very interesting evening. You know, um, there was a time when I was at a fundraiser at which there were these three people, Liz Cheney, Ken Buck, Lauren Boebert, all at the same fundraiser. Yeah, you just can't imagine getting them all together again. It was years ago, but can't imagine putting them all in the same room together. Um, One of the other things that's happening at the local level is uh, we had some forum that we did. In fact, right after you and I were together doing our filming of the show and all that stuff, there were two things that we couldn't really get into because they hadn't really transpired yet. One was this thing that Jesse, Paul, and I did with um, with Kelly Maher and Ernest Lunning, and that was the big forum out in Fort Lupton on behalf of the women of Weld and the Lincoln Club of, of Colorado. But the other one was this court case on this lawsuit thing. And I think part of the thought was, man, is this thing going to drop? Is it going to drop? It still hasn't dropped. Which court case? The one that was going to decide. Oh, oh, the decision on 108. The decision on 108, exactly. Yeah. 
well, I did watch a lot. Of, thank God to the women of Lupton for live streaming that. Women of Weld, yeah. I did watch a lot of the debate, which was fascinating. I mean, obviously, it's one thing for everyone to admit they've been arrested, or I should say, what, six out of nine admitted they'd been arrested. But the high fives from the law and order party seemed a little excessive. Well, yeah, so I, I was there. Ernest asked the question, and then I got to ask the follow-up, which I thought was telling to what, – what were your takeaways from at least those exchanges? Uh, the, the biggest takeaway of the whole night, and it came at the end, was the fact that even though Lauren Boebert was obviously in everybody's sight, she was the one everyone asked questions for when they went after her as a carpetbagger, I thought the lineup was pretty congenial. I thought, in, I thought Lynch acquitted himself pretty well, considering what a bad week he'd had, uh, but that – Bobert only came out fifth in a straw poll. Now, admittedly, there were a lot of friends and supporters of the other candidates in the room, but still, I think she, unless the numbers break her way just because of the sheer volume of candidates, uh, they don't really seem to love her in the fourth. At least not with that engaged, arguably informed crowd that was there. Um, I thought that there was a moment that preceded the question about carpet bagging that was interesting at one point lauren was giving an answer and she said something something about the crime stuff because i'd asked the question how should voters weigh this right like how should voters consider your arrest and this other stuff and lauren was answering it and she said with reference to lynch and i hope you get your gun rights restored i could see on his face his reaction and he took offense to that i don't know if she intended offense but he took offense and that then when it was his turn to ask a question of the candidates he ends up saying you know what you asked about my gun rights uh, i'm going to ask you what's the definition of carpetbagger and i thought whoa that was the most direct punch i mean deb flora did a nice job summoning that quote from uh when Carrie Kent, not Carrie Kennedy, good Lord, <laughs> who was it that she was referencing that was running? Carrie that, Donovan. Gosh darn it. Carrie Donovan. Sorry about that, Carrie Donovan. Um, I thought she did a nice job of summoning it, but man, Lynch was just straight on quick punch to the face on the carpetbagger thing. Um, I just don't know where it goes. I, I was fascinated, too, with Jerry Sonnenberg wins. And again, it's not like we're talking thousands of votes here. It's a, it's a handful of votes, but Jerry Sonnenberg wins. And Jerry was the guy that wouldn't take the bait. Right. And if that's the way you view that question, Jerry's like, nah, I don't want to ask any gotcha questions. And Jerry was kind of like the nicest guy up on the stage in many ways, although Peter, you was a hell of a nice guy, too. Um, I was fascinated with the fact that he won. Lynch comes in second. Holtorf comes in fourth. Those are all rural dudes. Right. Like n none of those guys hail from any population center. So I don't know how reflective it is, but it was an interesting outcome. Well, and it was a really great start to the campaign season. I thought you guys did it, considering what a circus it could have been, did a good job. Um, I had a reporter there who wound up talking to Lauren Boebert in the parking lot afterwards. But oh, wow. it just, yeah, it's it's interesting with her because I understand when she says I had to move, for, you know, I'm going to move, yeah. I have to take care of my boys. Right. Well, there's another option, which is you don't go to Congress when you have four boys, you stay home. That's interesting. You, you don't live you don't live next door to your ex-husband, but you don't have to go to Congress. There are other options. It was Jesse Paul that pointed out too, I think he's like, look, the third congressional district is so big, she could have moved away from her ex-husband 
and still been in the district, like moved away farther than she has already and still be within the third congressional district. And I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think you're absolutely right, Patty. I think the more people that are on the ballot in the primary, the more likely it is that she wins. But some of the response so far has been muted at best for her. And you can tell from the other candidates on the stage, nobody seems to be daunted by this. Nobody's bailing out of this race because they're like, ah, it's over. Yeah, she is not muted, but I think any supporters seem to be at the moment. What else, when you watched that thing, what were some of the other things that you took interest in? Frankly, I was interested in how affable the rest of everyone seemed. That was pretty fascinating. Uh, I think, you know, just even listening to Holthorff and listening to Sonnenberg and listening to Lynch, I just thought everyone is kind of trying to be, not everyone, almost everyone, be a grown-up in the room, really think about it. This is, but it's a tight, even for all its vastness, it's a tight-knit district just in the sense of, especially for this group, the rural issues and the issues, the anti-urban issues, or at least the we will not be ignored forever issues. So I know that, for example, Deb Flora with Douglas County, you've got a huge population base for the district there. But for the rest of it, rural Colorado really wants a seat at the table and wants to be listened to. And I thought that came through. I also had very little um, exposure to Richard Holtorf before he came into the studio here a week or two ago. And then before this thing, that dude's a character, man. I, I mean, whether it's for good or for bad, that dude is a big time character. I remember him answering the question about what he had been arrested for. And, you know, it seemed like most everyone else was like, I had this traffic thing like Sonnenberg. I had this traffic thing. I was going eight billion miles. You know, Ted Harvey. uh, We were goofing around on the Air Force Academy. And then Holtorf. I got in two fights. (laughs) I told my dad that I was winning both of them until the cops showed up. You know, and I thought, holy smokes, man. I mean, good grief. This dude just says stuff that at least that's the other thing is you can count on that guy saying what is ever in his head because there is no uh, there's no guard. You know what I mean? It just comes out. Right. He is not calculating what is going to do. What's going to get me elected? He's just like, here I am. I had run into him at the Park Restaurant Association the first day of the legislative session. They have a reception and I ran into him there and it was the same thing. Literally a straight shooter. Yeah, and, uh, interesting to chat with him. In fact, Lynch says both on the podium and later on when I'm talking to him one on one, he goes, "No joke, man. Half the reason I keep coming to the Capitol is to just see what Holtorf does that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just to see what interaction he has with other people." Um, did you take? Here's what was also fascinating to me, and I think because it was the presence of Lauren Boebert there more than anything. But CD4 is a very short race. I mean, if you look at an R plus 27-ish district, this race is over at the end of June, one way or the other, right? Like the Democrats can throw as many people and as many dollars as they want into it. It's very unlikely they'll pull this off. CD8, on the other hand, is incredibly competitive. And there were three candidates up there. Did you get a chance to watch that one at all? I sadly did not, but it sounded like it was fascinating. It was fascinating. I missed that one. I got the timing wrong. There's a there's a guy who's a political newcomer. Never heard of him. Joe can't remember his last name. Then there is uh, there's a county commissioner out of uh, Weld County who is also a former radio host, which tells you he's both good looking and a genius. 
And then Gabe Evans, who is um, a member of the legislature, former member of the Guard, also good looking and a genius, and a former police officer. And, and he, Gabe won the straw poll that evening. I don't think that tells you whether or not he beats necessarily Scott James in the uh, in the primary. But that one is different, too, because they now have to take on a incumbent Democrat as opposed to this open seat in the fourth. And they have to take it on a district that's drawn pretty tightly so they can't go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You know what I mean? They have to be conservative without being bonkers. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, it's it's going to be an amazing race as we go through the Supreme Court decision coming through on the presidential primary before May 5th, March 5th, if they come through with the decision. And then we go straight into the state primaries. Uh, and we only have three months for those. So it's going to be a wild political. You know, if that 108 thing goes the way of the GOP who's suing on this thing, there's a real possibility that every single nominee accesses the primary ballot only through assemblies. That there would abs- not, not even Republican primary voters get a vote in a primary because it goes away. There would be no primary at all. And I, I just can't I can't envision the logistics of how anything other than an assembly nominating process would unfold. And all of a sudden we're in the 1980s again. Yeah. The, so that, that decision, and I hope it comes soon because all these, all these candidates better hope it comes soon too. It's fascinating because really if, if the Republican party is going to have 23% of the registered voters and the Democrats are going to have what, 28% of the registered voters in the state, I guess you can decide whether or not you're going to have a primary, but you have to figure out how to engage the rest of the state since these are going to be the candidates they're voting for. So I have to say I like letting unaffiliated voters vote in a state-run primary, state-subsidized primary. Have you? Well, the, the, um, I just don't see the Republicans able to come up with anything if for some reason they triumph. No, I don't either. I mean, I, I at one point asked, I can't remember if it was David Williams or whoever else that was a proponent of this. And I'd ask, well, look, what are the alternatives? And they were talking about how they might do their own thing. At one point, somebody, it may not have been Dave, described, you know, we we can have neighborhood places where you can drop off your ballots, you know, and someone's sitting in their driveway or something like that. And I'm like, that that's better than the drop boxes, you know, that get counted? Like, that's safer? I don't want to drop my ballot off with my neighbor, and I like my neighbors. But come on. Um the uh, other aspect of this, have you followed at all uh, Kent Theory's bill titles that have just made it through, I think, that they're going to try to put on the ballot? Yeah, I have. And it's interesting because every time I try to wrap my brain around ranked choice voting and all the other, I mean, there are a lot of things he's talking about, but I just don't get it. But I'm, I'm willing to study it. And we're all going to have to study it if those get on the ballot. And I think they will. I think the other thing that is intriguing to me is that these three different offerings amount to a dismantling of the current assembly structure. Like there would be no more assembly, like precinct caucuses would go the way of the dodo. I don't know that people appreciate. I interviewed Kent last week on the radio. I don't know that people appreciate what a fundamental change in voting this would be, even without the ranked choice voting, just in the idea of going to a full, like, open-slash-jungle primary, whether it's top two or top four move on, no caucuses. That's, that's a, that is a sea change in how Coloradans pick their representatives. Yeah, it's huge, and I don't think people are have spent any time really figuring it out yet because they've just begun publicizing it. 
And so you have all the antics of the Republican Party right now and whether or not, you know, everyone has to get, you know, they've endorsed Trump, whether or not he'll be on the ballot in on March 8th in Colorado legally. I mean, that's still coming. But in the meantime, there is just a huge, huge change coming for the state on those on candidates. And if it passes and Ken Theory's gotten things through before on the oh, yes. thing, he could do it. Yeah, we're, we're talking with Mist Denver uh, Patty Calhoun from Westward. Um, every day is another story about how Denver is getting crushed and its safety net is getting crushed by the influx of migrants into Denver. The latest story is this one here out of the Denver Post that shows that Denver Public Schools is now underwater $17.5 million in funding because of all of the new immigrant children who are being enrolled into the school district. Patty, you're right there all day, every day in Denver. How bad is this? And do you hear of any green shoots of resolution here? Like, what's our way forward on this? Well, our way forward is what Mike Johnston is certainly pushing when he went to D.C. And Polis is now pushing in letters with other governors, which is to get some federal aid for this, especially for the schools. I also have to say I was discussing this with my mother this morning amazing that these migrants they move here and they get their kids in schools that's the other thing i mean when you hear these tragic stories of these families that have made it here and why they made it here you know your heart goes out to them so you also your heart goes out to everyone else in Denver public schools because you don't want the other kids to be shortchanged so obviously they're going to have to come up with some solutions you know going into last week's board meeting for some reason, people were thinking the budget would be fine because all of a sudden they had more students. Only, I think it might be the only um, school district county in the in the state that enrollment is increasing, um, and so they thought they would be getting more federal money anyway. And then I think the 17.5 million shortfall came as a big surprise to them. But yeah, there has to be a solution, and but- I don't think the solution is busing kids across the border. Between this issue and, I guess, the I don't know if it's a cousin or a corollary, but uh, the homeless issue in Denver, when you're there all day, every day, I mean, the perception from people outside the metro area, because of the way the media is and whatnot, is, my God, there's a homeless person on every corner and there's a migrant on every corner trying to squeegee your windshield. What's it really like there? And I go there from time to time, but I'd rather hear your perspective. Well, I'm downtown every day. And let me say Friday night, for example when we were at the Liz Cheney speech. So that's at the Denver Performing Arts Complex. And we parked over like at 17th and Stout. So we were walking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw a total of one homeless person. Wow. One homeless, six blocks, one homeless person. When I was driving back from Channel 12, which is 29th and Welton, to my office yep, at Lincoln been and there. 13th, one tent. One tent. So there is no question downtown has been definitely cleaned up of encampments. Now, my home is very close to where the migrant encampment was and where the migrants are in a hotel at Spear and Zunai, and you do see some squeegee people, but no tents right now. So I think anyone who thinks downtown is just littered with people sitting on corners in tents begging for money, that's not the case. When one of the great things about Westward and you do this all the time, too, on CIO is you follow all of the good social scene stuff as well as just the regular hard news stuff, too. I mean, you do that also. 
What are some of the hidden gems out there in Denver that you're discovering? What are some of the great things going on? I mean, you don't have to bill for National Western Stock Show because it's everywhere. Everybody talks about it. But sometimes only Westward sheds some light on some of the other opportunities in Denver for people to either have a great meal or a great time. What, what is that? Uh, well, we do this all the time. We have the new James Beard nominations are out and their restaurants, the um, the Wolf Taylor, which was a Michelin restaurant, just got a nomination also for on Tennyson Street for the James Beard. So you want to keep an or I should say the hospitality group that owns it, you want to keep an eye on these guys. Bruto downtown. There are a lot of really great restaurants downtown. Also downtown, there are two really cool events going on at Redline Contemporary Art, if you know that. Um, great shows. If you're not going downtown, you are really missing a bet. There are some good shows downtown at the Denver Performing Arts Complex, but you also have good shows like You're in Town, uh, and that is exactly the name. You're what? in Town is at the Town Hall Arts Center. U R I N E Town is at the Town Hall Arts what, Center. Uh, that's a great show. What the hell is that, Patty? That sounds. I don't know. It's like when it's, my kids laugh when I say, uh, you know, European. And they're like, no, it I'm not. Is a, <laughs> uh, it is a musical uh, based on, uh, as I understand, I haven't seen it, a company that basically doesn't want employees to take bathroom breaks. What? <laughs> You're talking to make you research it. What the heck? I don't know that you're going to catch me buying any of the T-shirts they're selling in the lobby, although that, those might be hotcakes, right? But uh, urine town sounds <laughs> fascinating. Uh, Not Pat- the women's bathroom, only in the gender-neutral bathrooms. That's it. Well, who, who doesn't go to those? I uh, Last question for you. Um, you're following anything in the legislature, anything that's got your attention? Oh, there are so many things in the legislature and the things that aren't there yet. Uh, for example what we're going to see in the way of affordable housing, what we're going to see in the way of right now, there's a move to maybe raise the fees for medical marijuana patients, like the only people who still are kind of at the soul of why there was legalization on a certain level, you know, to help the people who actually use it medically, which is increasingly Mm. older people, and raise the rates on them. So that's a move we'll be keeping an eye on, because for the most part, only people who truly use it as medicine are getting those licenses. Everything is pretty cheap. Otherwise, I was going to uh, say. So yes, we're watching that. We're watching the eviction stuff. There are just huge issues coming up, and of course, just watching the races. Tim Hernandez is having a fundraiser tonight. You know, he is definitely opposed. He was appointed, and now uh, he's definitely opposed. Elizabeth Epps competition. So I was going to ask about wild. these. What 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 do you sense out there? Is the I mean, there's probably no polling on these races, but it sounds like it's not just, um, oh, I think I'll run against Tim Hernandez or Epps. Like, these are well-funded, supported efforts to get these two out of the legislature. The money is really coming in, and they're Democrats. One who was up against Hernandez, two for this vacancy, a retired judge, she's running again. And uh, you've got some very strong competition against Epps. So I think I think those are going to be wild, wild races. I just had Rose Puglisi on, the new minority leader, and she had said, I didn't know this, I didn't see this report anywhere, that Epps is only appearing remotely for the legislature. I mean, we're in the post-pandemic era here. Do you know why that is? Had you heard that? No, it has been said that it's some health thing. Oh, okay. But no one seems to know what it is. 
Well, mental? You know. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm joking. Yeah, I uh, well, I, if it's health thing, I don't. Then it's a non-story. I don't care. I just thought it was one of those things where you know her last bit of time there was pretty controversial as she sat in that peanut gallery there and and uh, got confronted by the, her own leadership and stuff like that. And then pretty soon she was getting moved into another building. And I'm like, what the hell is? And there's innocuous answers for us. It just got crazy. Like, what are you guys doing out there? Right. So we're going to see at some point, certainly, if she is really running, uh, and she is, I mean, she's, she says she's running, but she will have to show up in person somewhere. And presumably, if you're running, I guess you have to figure out what your health issue is. If you can't go into the legislature, can you really represent your constituents? That's a great question, because I'll tell you who else would want to know the answer to that is probably uh, Stephanie Luck, who's on maternity leave. Like, my guess is yeah. she'd yeah. be able to continue to serve remotely uh, other than the fact that she's caring for a new baby. But there's got to be some limitation on that. Listen, uh, Patty Calhoun, we've taken up so much of your time. Thank you for joining us again, folks. If you want to see all the great stuff that Westward puts out there, including all the stuff we talked about at the end with the restaurants, the art scene, all the other entertainment stuff, you got to go to westward.com. Uh, Patty, thanks for this. Oh, my pleasure. Love having you on. Talk to you soon. That was Patty Calhoun with Westward. I, apparently, I didn't do that punch out as well. I kept waiting for the anyway. Uh, I like Patty a lot. I, I think that, and there are folks out there who I'm sure are like Westward. You, you got to read Westward. I mean, listen, I don't always agree with the articles and stuff, but they do cover stuff at a different level. They just have a Denver eye uh, for a bunch of these issues, and that's why it's Denver centric. But some of the cool stuff that they do is related. I'm I'm not kidding to the restaurants and the clubs and the other art stuff. You just find out things there that uh, you wouldn't find out otherwise, and you can go check it out at westward.com. Listen, uh, when we come back, you know, we were talking about uh, Hamas-loving Timmy Hernandez. That's a nice segue into something horrible that took place over the weekend involving some soldiers in a country I was just in one year ago. We'll talk about that and what it means for America. What should it mean for America? When we come back, it's George Brockler on The George Show, 710 KNUS. George Brocko back with you here, 710 KNUS. My thanks to Patty Calhoun from Westward. Patty Calhoun is Westward, for that matter. Uh, listen, wanted to change up uh, topics here a little bit. I want to read you a couple of the texts so that we got to. Um, what area was Patty in that had no homeless in Denver? Not sure that place exists. Now, I know when she was talking about leaving PBS 12 from 29th and Welton because we were there at the same time. And we had done that Colorado Inside and Out that PBS 12 puts on a great show with Kyle Dyer. She always does such a nice, nice job with it. And the, and the guests are always so nice. Um, I was, once again, I think the token Republican dude, which I love being the token. Uh, but I drove out of that area, too. And I don't recall seeing any homeless. I have, by the way, a bunch in parts of Denver. Hell, Billy and I usually, and although it's not as much, Billy, we usually see a little teeny tiny village that pops up on a daily basis down here by 225 and Parkerish Road or or the damn road but n- not as many I still see onesies twosies but not what we were seeing before and then um so I didn't see any there and 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 I'm starting to see an increasing number of people with the squeegees that apparently they're stealing from gas stations 
I see an increasing number of them, but I get it, man, where, you know, if Patty tells you she's walking down from 17th and Stout, which is kind of by the Ghost Building, which is a super cool building. If you've ever been there, there, there used to be a restaurant in there. Um, six blocks and, and never encountered any homeless. One, I don't know why you're walking six blocks down Stout in the nighttime anyway. I mean, you're just begging for something other than homeless bad but she did and it was totally fine and uh so i see that i I can see that that's happening and maybe this is uh, some reflection of good things that are taking place based on the efforts of mayor johnston i don't know is it too soon to know i think it is especially because this migrant thing is crushing denver um let's see another Someone talked about uh, the pit bull thing. That was our buddy Corey. Someone says the Colorado Speaker Series. This must have been that thing with uh, Liz Cheney that they were just talking about here. Yep, the event details. That was on the 26th, Belco Theater. No, missed it. Sorry about that. Uh, Good morning from Nebraska, fellas. I think Colorado is living in a police state. No, not quite. Jacqueline, that's not, I don't, it's not a police state yet. It, It is, yeah, it's increasing. Well, it's a different kind of police. It's the Billy asked with the Dems in charge. It's a different kind of police, but I don't think that's it, man. I don't think that's it. Here's when the, the criminal justice system fails. Vigilanteism is the next logical step. I don't know if it's the next logical step, but it's the next predictable step. Step That's for sure. I agree with you that when people stop trusting that law enforcement can protect them or their property, they're going to start making decisions to protect it themselves. And then I don't know what the hell is going to happen. And then somebody texted and COVID is still raging, George. Don't be ignorant. Well, I can't help the ignorant part. It happens. It's just it's DNA stuff. I can't help that. LOL, of course, the Democrats could choose last minute in their convention other than Biden. By the way, as an aside, if COVID is raging, why aren't we dropping by the bushelfuls, right? Like, we're not in masks. We're not all locked up at home instead of going to school. Um, You know, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, if it's raging, we're doing a pretty nice job of weathering that. I'm not sure how that is. Uh, another text from Joan. Uh, I think that Dave must be doing okay when media does hit pieces. You missed the Westward piece on Dave Williams that came out Thursday. It was not very nice. You're right. I I didn't see that one. I I might go take a look at that as well. And, of course, we always love having Dave on the show. He's he's never afraid to to come in and have a conversation with us. So I appreciate that quite a bit. Uh, Listen, here's the topic that I want. Well, we have a caller on the line. Billy, is this someone we ought to take on air, or should we just shift into the other gear here? Billy. Buddy, is this a, is this for on air? I was I was talking to uh, someone on the phones. What was that? Is this for an on air call, or I, I just didn't want to shift gears? Yeah, yeah, into... yeah. yeah there's a caller. Do we want to do it right now? Didn't really finish screening, but go ahead. Just take a cold. Well, let's go crazy. Who is it? Didn't get that far. Please tell me it's Justin Schreiber. No, it isn't. No, no. come on. That guy. <laughs> that's the guy, by the way, that should have been at the. Uh, at the forum that the Women of Weld and the Lincoln Club of Colorado put on in, in Fort Lupton last Thursday, and he didn't because he thought that me being a moderator would be election tampering and witness tampering. <laughs> I don't know why. It, just, it still makes me laugh out loud. Oh, Frank, you're on 710 KUS. Frank, what do you think? Oh, I got a, got a kick out of that guy, Holtorf. He was on another radio show, and he he does not have quite the filter that most folks have. I'm not sure that's good in Congress. I think uh, 
our representative in Congress should be somebody that really espouses our agenda. And if we can put some of the other stuff behind, we got to look for what's best for the Republican and the conservative movement. That's my comment on those guys. But the other thing was your first speaker today, uh, Pagosi, is talking about some of the ideas that the Dems had about uh, shutting down uh, charter schools and uh, you can't carry your gun outside your house. You know, I think it's almost like when these guys come up with their uh, Democratic left-wing wet dream scenario, it's time for, it's time for us, uh, the, the people, which is supposed to be what the government is for, to rebound or come back with a, uh, a legislation to go on the ballot, an initiative, get enough signatures, that any legislator that introduces an anti-constitutional movement should be removed immediately, thereby, you know, neutering most of these crazy people. Yeah, but who determines that, Frank? Who would get to decide whether it's anti-constitutional? Well, if it, if it, if it doesn't pass the constitutional test, if you... But who determines that? I, I like the idea, but tell me who's going to be the arbiter of that. Well, so is is keeping somebody uh, saying that you can only have your guns inside your house is that constitutional? Yeah, I don't think it is. But they're going to no, say they're going to say something like, and, "Listen, the Second Amendment isn't absolute and it isn't universal." Sure, there's and arguments that, for everything. That's why you went to law school. I no, no, I get it. Talk. But I'm saying, then who's going to make that decision? Like they offer that bill, the Dems yeah. presumably would pass it. Who steps in and goes, aha, you all lose your jobs? You put, I don't think you can put it to a left-leaning Colorado Supreme Court. <laughs> but, but anyway, then then how about the one for charter schools? Is that anti-constitutional? I mean, these things need to be answered, and government needs to be hammered out in a bipartisan fashion if it's going to be for the people. Otherwise, you get what you got now, which is just trying to have the overrun of one party, and that's wrong. I agree with that. I think that at the end of the day, the arbiter of all those things, short of taking each one to court, is going to ultimately be the voters. And yeah. you and I are just stuck in a minority position right now in a state Democratic that has... Democratic machine. Yeah, Democrat machine. It's, it's surged blue in so many areas. It overwhelms and, and the other moderate and Republican it, areas. I mean, And you only stay here because it's such a beautiful state. But, hey, do you know what nullification is? Uh, in terms of jury nullification, yes. Well, there's a book. There's a guy named Frank Silvato. Uh -huh. He's on your late night uh, 710. Yeah. And he wrote a book called Nullification. And he's espousing a position that the states' rights have states' rights to nullify some of these orders that come down from the feds if they're going directly against what the feds are supposed to be doing in the first place, a la the Texas deal with Abbott and uh, versus Biden, v. Biden. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know the book. He, he makes some interesting points. Uh, I don't know which states are. Yeah, that is interesting. I'd, I'd like to talk to, to that guy. It. But the book is called Nullification, and the guy's very outspoken and, and very smart. So I, I don't know. I mean. Uh, I, I wonder, again, same kind of question we led with, though, and I, maybe I need to get him on the radio or read his book, but who gets to decide that? Like right now, you know, Ken Paxson down there, the AG in Texas yeah. has taken that position when it comes to the border patrol guys being able to cut through the razor wire at that one park. He's taken that position too, which is show me where you have the authority to do this in this if area. You lead, if you get Billy to get him on your show and you lead with him some morning, hang on, you're going to have a good three hours. Billy, because, I'd well, like him on tomorrow. Really I'm just telling him, I'd like him on tomorrow, Billy. Well, he really raises some interesting points, 
and he uh, doesn't have a filter either. But he <laughs> that is, is good radio. <laughs> well, he's got logic behind him, though. He's not just uh, off the cuff. He's re- well read and seasoned and opinionated. So Frank Salvato nullification. Well, Frank, I appreciate that. Uh, the only other one that Rose talked about that I'm still baffled by how they can do it is she said an expansion of Red Flag. And I'm like, well, who's left? Now oh, your you teacher, good, Phil Weiser, all these people. A good, <laughs> you who's, made a good point spilling over into other states. Uh, that's just a way to improve. I mean, these are topics that the left wants to shut the right down with. And they know they're going to get a reaction. I think they're just floating this. Because they're really probably pretty nervous about the November election. They should be nervous about the November election. I have seen so much positive news about the economy, and it appears to have very little impact so far on Biden's polling numbers. I mean, they ought to be freaked out here. Maybe they think it's going to become resurgent here in the next six months or so and help get him through. And it could. It could. But, man, things don't look great. It's going to be based on the price of eggs in uh, October. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see that drop. Frank, as always, man, thanks for the reference to the book, and thanks for the call. Look into it. I will. Uh, hey, Bill, you're about to jump on there to say yeah. you've read nullification. No, no, not oh. at all. It was, inter- um, it was interesting that Frank brought up the idea about price of eggs and things. Um, that was one of the things that, again, I'm an idiot. Uh, during oh, the vacation times that I wasn't here, I, I spent some time Buying going eggs. back and uh, going back and looking at some of the prices and things oh, yeah. like that, and kind yeah. of and just looking at some timeline stuff. There's some re- other research I was doing for another thing, and this is one of the things that kind of popped into my head. Yeah. Um, looking back at the majority of the increase of the price of eggs and chicken yeah, and, and yeah, turkey yeah. during that early part of the Biden administration, um, it correlates oddly enough uh, with the outbreak of the avian flu several months earlier, in which they had to down millions upon millions of chickens. So uh, unless why would yeah. Biden launch the avian flu? Exactly. And that, that's kind of the idea is this is why more of an it? external characteristic of the market than a policy. There are things to throw uh, rocks at Biden and the Biden administration sure. about um, <clears throat> border that <clears throat> immigrants <laughs> that, that ju- I'm sorry, I had something to throw. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just something there. Uh, there are things. But that's one that's not really going to resonate. In fact, if you watch, there's a outbreak of avian flu in the last month or so in California. We are going to see chicken prices rise again in the next oh, no. couple of months because they've had to cull nearly a thousand birds out of the flocks. So that's going to be a problem. Uh, just letting you know, your chicken prices are going to go up. I'm just, I'm just telling you right if now. If I cull them yeah. out, do they send them to a special rehab place? Um, no. What they do is they they bring them over into a, sm- uh, a little room and they tell them it's a. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. That was going to be a really bad joke. So no, I, no, you can't. No, I can't. No, no. Stopping. No, no, no. There's sometimes that no. That's no. okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go punish myself. And they say don't bad, go. Bad Billy over here in the they corner. don't like try to asphyxiate him by choking him, and they're not choking the chicken, because that would be absolutely horrific, both in reality and, and in Punville. Uh, listen, let's do this. Let's cut away for a break. we got a little bit of a segment left here. We can try to continue to advance a topic, launch a topic that I've been trying to get to, and that is what took place over in Jordan over the weekend. You've got to be familiar with this. If you're not, we'll make you familiar with it. But before I do that, i got to quickly tell you, if you're a dude, and it doesn't apply to a ton of women. I don't know any women that have done it, but I'm sure they would do it if it was necessary. But I'm talking about hair. Um, there are a lot of guys out there who are in that place where they can eyeball their mom's side of the family because that's where you get your hair genetically, I think. It, it goes down that line. All of the men on my mom's side of the family have had full heads of hair all the way until the grave. And so I'm optimistic I get to keep my. But if you're not that lucky, and that's all it is is just luck, or maybe it's the stress 
uh, and you're dealing with thinning hair or balding or patches of this or that, you know, there's only a few options you have, but one of them is to call up our friend, Dr. Tanya Pauls with advanced hair restoration. That's the best option because what they can do is restore your hair, give you that natural, more youthful look. It gives you that confidence, that energy. It's a simple one day treatment. They have the most experienced folks in the area out there. Next day, your own natural hair starts growing. I could go on and on, but I don't need to because you're hooked, right? Give them a call and ask them all the questions you need to before you sign up with them. 720-459-HAIR, 720-459-HAIR, or check them out at advancedhair.com. That's advancedhair.com. When we come back, we'll wrap up this hour and we'll get into, I promise you, we're going to get into this Jordan topic here in just a second. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. You hear 710 Canyon. I'm going to try to get to the phone lines as quickly as we can. Sean, you're on 710. Sean, what do you think? I, I just wanted to comment on the avian influenza and how they uh, call the, the fox. Yeah. Um, I worked in public health a long time, time ago, and I'm back in public health again, but I'm doing something completely different. Right. But I actually went to a demonstration of how they did this um, in case of H1N. H1 or H5N1 virus, which is the avian flu virus, um, they pretty much use like what would be equivalent to like the foam that you would see in a plane crash, and they try to suffocate them. What? Um, port, yeah. They, How do they do? They that? spray them. They just they get them all in one area and they spray them with this foam, and they hope to suffocate them. And obviously, they don't get into the food supply because they are infected with a virus that possibly can uh, jump to humans. It has, but it hasn't sustained um, uh, human-to-human transmission. But there are cases of it where it has shown up in humans. Well, Sean, so, yeah, it's it's. Thank you for making us smarter on that, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to do that. That that helps. Hey, listen, when we come back, we got to talk about this drone stuff. And what's the Navy doing with recruiting? George Brockler, 710, KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 